0: I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to Nationals this year! Sorry, is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Joe Ingles off a pick. Doesn't like to shoot off the bounce. Instead passes to a cutting hood who cocks the left hand and hammers and then flex poses afterwards. Rodney Hood, don't do me like that! You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 17th of May. The lottery does not go our way. Monteyounis and other names circulating around the Jazz, any validity to it. Boston, they're just in a dream situation. And Rodney Hood season in review. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. pow. How are you? I'm David Lock, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. Thank you very very much for tuning in to today's show. Really glad to have you aboard here on the 17th of May. If you have missed it, we're doing season review episodes, uh, and we have been. Uh, Doing so with George Hill. Uh, We've been doing so with Shelvin Mack. And with Howell Netto. And today we will look at Rodney Hood. Uh, Today's show, by the way, uh, is brought to you by an exciting sponsor for the program, Zip Recruiter. Zip Recruiter is changing uh, the way in which... Job sites are being done. I mean, if you playoffs have uh, having the right players on the court is is the key to all success for teams and companies, right? Uh, and so, what ZipRecruiter is doing is allowing you to find the best candidates by posting your job on one site. You need to post on all the top job sites, and you can do it now with just ZipRecruiter. At ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to a 100-plus job sites with one click, and then their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your position. I think everyone knows that in this day and age, we're... Those people in charge of hiring are overworked, small companies trying to build up. It's so time-consuming, and you're running at a million miles an hour and trying to get it done. And this is where ZipRecruiter comes in, unlike other job sites, doesn't depend on candidates finding you. In fact, over 80% of the jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's efficient. It gets you better candidates. It does it faster. If you're the emerging company, if you're a pretty good-sized company that's growing fast, this is a huge, huge saver for you. So go to ZipRecruiter.com slash jazz That's ZipRecruiter.com slash jazz and you can try it out for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash jazz. No juggling emails, no calls to the office. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes nationwide. All right, uh, last night socked. In fact, everything has sucked since the off season started. The Celtics keep winning, and the lottery doesn't go our way. All right, we're begging. And the fact of the matter is everything that has happened before then was terrific, and that's what we have to weigh on. But the anxiety level that uh, all of us are having is significant. There were a bunch of things we wanted to have happen in the lottery. Number one, we wanted the Lakers to lose their pick. Didn't happen. They end up getting the number two pick. They'll likely get Lonzo Ball. Uh, we'll see whether that works. They'll have to deal with his dad, uh, which pro- which is an issue. I don't care who says it's not an issue. Um, it is an issue. the The dream scenario was the Lakers get bumped out. Our second best scenario, depending on what you think of Eric Bledsoe, was that Phoenix bumps into the top group and takes a small, a point guard, uh, and maybe they do anyway with De'Aaron, De'Aaron Fox. But in all likelihood, uh, they, they, I don't know, maybe they go Jason Tatum, but they are not guaranteed to take one or two. We would have liked Phoenix to take one or two. Then Eric Bledsoe is available. Not necessarily that Eric Bledsoe is the answer. I'll dig into a little bit more. Probably do a podcast with Kellen Olson of Lockdown Sons about him uh, to try to get the vibe on what people think. And uh, we'll see. The, the next one was kind of, uh, I don't know, Minnesota probably we didn't want them to really jump up because they're just so darn good already. And, and for all we know, they'll think Dennis Smith is the right choice of point guard who's kind of the next tier point guard in this point guard heavy draft. For those who haven't followed, Fultz, Ball, De'Aaron Fox, and Dennis Smith are the four best point guards and then there's a international point guard kind of who possibly is a top 10 so five of the top 10 picks could be possibly point guards uh in this upcoming draft depending your point of view so those were the things that you know we kind of uh wanted to have happen and they didn't and then the final issue is obviously that boston gets the number one pick i i really cannot get a grasp on what this means in regards to gordon hayward um you know the issue with Gordon gets really simple. He's got a great situation in Utah. He's got a fan base that loves him, an organization organization that's backing him, a fabulous relationship with a head coach, and a a, a super uh, partner to go to battle with in Rudy Gobert. And the organization's got to probably do something about the point guard situation. I'll. I'll I don't think if Gordon Hayward thinks he's going uh into next season with Dante Exum as his point guard uh I'm not sure that that's uh, that's not a recruiting plus I think would be the way to say that. And so I think when you know we can worry about Boston and I'm doing it all the time I'm not lying to you but I think the reality is we got to look at who what we have to offer it's it's his team he he wouldn't be overshadowed i mean there's a chance he goes to boston he's their fourth guy and maybe he doesn't care if it's really you know truthfully to win a championship that boston has the capability i'm going to talk about this more in the in the 60 db uh segment of the end of the program coming up uh, at the end, so I'm I'm leaving some of it out right now. The 60 for those who don't know, we have a partnership. Locked On Podcast Network has a new partnership with a a startup called 60dB, which does short clips, audio clips, and uh, I'm putting them on the back end of Locked On Jazz and then launching them up at 60dB. So I'll be doing that. Uh, the Celtics are the focus uh, on that. So you know, I, I you know, Fultz goes. Uh, he probably can play with Isaiah. Maybe it's the end of Isaiah. Frankly, they've always thought they were going to trade Isaiah. Now they they may not. Um, he's just too good, and he's a legend, and he's a hero there. But from a Jazz standpoint, I think you just have to look at it that in the last three years, the Jazz have built Gordon a nice situation. He's the man here. The the community has um has has supported him. He's got a head coach and general manager behind him. The Miller family has done an amazing job of spending money and committing with the basketball center. Uh, I don't think Gordon cares about the arena renovation. I don't think any player does. There's a great story about that. The Atlanta Hawks toward Al Horford through all their arena renovations and how much better they were making the arena, and then he promptly went to Boston because he didn't give a crap about that. He cared about the practice facility that they were building for him, um, and and how it impacts their life. and I think that's a that's a generally good rule with athletes. Um, you know, these are all good people, but they want to know how you are going to make them great, and and that's what they're truly what they're interested in uh, more so than anything else. So the Jazz have done that with Gordon. Boston, let's not deny it. Boston is got. An incredible, and I'll get into it uh, here in the later portions of the show. Situation right now where they have rebuilt this, they fleeced Brooklyn in the trade, and they are in a golden spot that almost no franchise may have ever been in the NBA. Is that making a better spot for Gordon than Utah? I would argue probably not, but it's Boston, it legitimately is done something that's really special and is an unbelievable circumstances right now. And they have a head coach that he knows, and so there's the fear of entry is much lower than it would be somewhere else. And that thus makes it a legitimate and nerve-wracking situation. And we're going to have to deal with this between now and probably July 5th. And that's kind of how I'd move from there. Alright, let's go. Uh, Denotus Montiunis has always been one of my players I really, really liked in this league. I loved him in the draft. He's a fabulous passing big. Uh, Soft as all get-out when he came out out of Lithuania, and he's been around the NBA for five years. He's 27 years old, and he has mentioned that he's interested in going uh, to the Utah Jazz amongst other teams. Let's discuss him for a second, though. As much as I loved him, and he had one very good year in Houston, I'm not clear who he is as a player for two reasons. One is he got traded to Detroit. Detroit made a move for him, and then they, after making a big move for him, rejected him once they got his medical on his back. In the last two years, he's played 37 and 34 games and has a back issue. Moreover, since the back issue has spurred up, in the last two years, he is a combined uh, from three. His combined total from three is 27 of 104. Guys, that's terrible. So I loved him because he was a stretch four that could really pass when he came out of Lithuania. He's shooting 26% from three in the last two years. His effective field goal percentage is way below the league average. He's a subpar rebounder. He is a good passing big. As a bench guy, maybe. Um, I don't know who the Jazz starting power forward is next year, frankly. Um, And so I don't think he's the answer to that. Uh, and I uh, and I think that the it's an, I see his name I am a I am a big fan of the player that Monty Yunus was in 2014-15. he shot 37% from three. he averaged two dimes he grabbed six rebounds he played 29 minutes a night. He was a pretty good player on that 14-15 Houston Rockets team. And in a day and age where stretch fours and stretch fives are vital, and really the stretch five in the playoffs is becoming a huge thing. And Frank, the Jazz may need to find a way to have their backup five be a stretch five because that is just becoming too much of a, uh, uh, something in the playoffs right now where teams are, teams are really doing amazing things with that. Um, And, That's the player I loved. But if you go back and look at that season, on the 71st game of the year, he has this great game. He scores 21 points. He has eight rebounds against New Orleans. And he then does not play again. And he does not play for the entire 2015 playoffs. So he has never been the same since then. And I don't know. uh, But, I mean, he was perfect then playing next to Dwight Howard. So you better figure out who he is as a player. Uh, one other note, there's the European player whose name is escaping me right now that's floating around and being talked about as the Jazz's possible point guard and this and that. Um, it's uh, I, he, I don't know the answer of whether he's really a viable answer, um, but here's what I will tell you that's unique to the Jazz, though I am hearing that this is an unlikely scenario, uh, but I do want to at least let you know that it is a scenario. The Jazz could... Sign a player between now and July 1st to a contract for last season. So you could sign a player to a three-year, $15 million deal. Or let's call it, let's do math. It's uh, Let's call it that, three-year, $15 million deal. Five million this year, five million uh, the next year. 5 million the year after and the 5 million for last year so it's like a $5 million signing bonus and then his 5 million the next two years it's really a two year $15 million deal at 7.5 with our cap space. That deal it it's not something that I think we're planning on doing. And I think the fact is that uh it it the fact is that it would be something we have to do very very late because of the interest in possibly solving some contract situations and some roster moves prior to July one. If those fall apart or we still have leftover money, you do it at that point. All right, let's go, uh, again, today's show, by the way, brought to you by zip recruiter. Huge. Thanks to ZipRecruiter. recruiter, zip com slash L O jazz, uh, to, to try it for free zip com slash L O jazz to try it for free. Uh, If you would like to advertise on Locked on Jazz... Uh, coming up through the draft and free agency and, and hit these major moments with our audience and Touch Jazz fans, uh, you can email me at dlock09 at gmail.com. We're just reestablishing our rates after our season average numbers and things of that sort. So if you'd like to jump aboard, I know some of our old clients have, have reestablished to get on at their old rates, and so some of that inventory is a little tough, but there are spots available, dlock09 at com. if you'd like to advertise on Locked On. All right, we're doing season in review. So let's start with Rodney Hood. And for those who've missed the previous, George Hills was Monday and Shelvin Mack and Howell Neto was yesterday. I'm going to do the same feature each time as I do the summary. Then I do an analytical kind of analyzing the season. And then we do future status and contract situation uh, for those players. So the summary on Rodney Hood has to be that a third year jump did not—an anticipated third year jump did not take place due to injuries or stalled development, and thus in lies the trick on Rod is which is it, and I don't know. I think it's injuries, uh, but one of the things we talked about with Rod a tremendous amount is his bell curve. And so his bell curve is really wide-ranging. And if you look over the last two seasons, the amount of games he's had where he scored. Now, some of this is un, not as fair this year because of injuries. But a year prior, the big thing I talked about is that he had more games in which he scored under nine, nine or less than he did over 20 that we have been falling in love with the major big explosion games, but that more often than not, he's nine or under. And, you know, as your third scorer, or really maybe your second scorer, if George Hill was out, you need more consistency out of that position than what Rodney Hood's giving you. Now, two years ago, it was 18 games, nine or less, and 15 games of 20 or more. This year, it was 22 games of 9 or less, and 10 of 20 or more. That is somewhat unfair because of injury situation, but it, over the last two years, he's had 40 games of 9 or fewer points and 25 games of t- 20 or more. The The number one question that has to be determined by the Jazz organization in, regarding Rodney Hood is, is this guy... Uh, a third, second or third scorer? Or is this guy an off-the-bench fireplug that at times ignites you and at other times doesn't? Every indication is, you know, this is a starting shooting guard in the NBA. He started 130 games in the last two seasons. He averaged about 13 points despite the injuries. What gets a little undone is that his effective field goal percentage for his career is now below league average. He still does not go to the line uh, very often per 36 minutes. Is, he's dead consistent, um, 2.7 free throws per 36 minutes, which means that the variance of performance is going to be very, very high. Now, this season, he, improved, he had a career best three-point shooting percentage at 37%, but he had a career-low effective field goal percentage. Well, how does that work? His two-point shooting really struggled. Is that the knee? My instinct is yes, but these are the things that make it so difficult to evaluate who he is as a player right now is trying to figure out what of these numbers is a trend? Which of these numbers is the knee? Complete inability to beat anybody off the dribble in the playoffs. Well, it's not really who he was. He's always a shoot-over-the-top guy, but if he can't beat guys off the dribble, he's probably not getting the foul line very often. Again, is that a case of the knee, or is that a case of... Uh, kind of where he is. This was the year he was supposed to jump. That's why in the summary I say the year three jump and it just doesn't happen. And does it not happen due to the injury? Or at 24 years old, has he plateaued a bit uh, of where he's going to be? The finishing at the rim in the last three seasons for Rodney Hood has gone from 67 percent to 62 percent to 56 percent 56 is not great again same question three to ten feet where he gets that little play in that 10 to 16 feet he ends up shooting t- 39 percent Three to 10 feet which is below his career average 10 to 16 feet he shoots 41 percent. he went from 49 percent his rookie year to 42 now down to 41 uh if you dig deeper, take a take a second. Let's take a second level look at these numbers, and look at some of his shooting numbers. What ends up discovering, and it's it's hard to say. Let's just go post All Star break. Um, I could probably dig in and try to find you know where it is uh, that the knee happens and, and run some some real numbers right around that. But post All Star break if we go to his shooting numbers it's a bit stunning uh, and this leads you to believe if you're trying to make a decision on rod that most of um of some of these circumstances are going to that are knee related that the, the second half of the season is um i think a case in which he's bothered by the knee uh, more than probably any others. In fact, actually, let's do this. Let's let me see if we can find the Rodney Hood hyper extended knee and find the first date. I was going to just do I want to maybe I can take it another I'm uh, January 15th. So if we actually back it up one step and take from January 15th when he first hurts the knee to the end of the season uh, and run his shooting numbers, it's pretty stunning. Uh, Here we have it. In the paint, he, he shot 25%. In the restricted area, he shot 44%. So his injury means that as he gets in the paint, he's 21 of 65 in the paint to close the year. His corner three shooting was good, his above the break shooting was at thirty six percent. That's the area where he really falls off. Inside eight feet post knee injury, he shoots fourteen of forty three. And and so the the knee really limited who he was as a player. That that leads to say Uh, And then when he doesn't have those numbers, if he has a bad three-point shooting night without going to the free throw line, he then starts having some brutal numbers. He's still got some elements to him that are really special. That's, I think, his ability to get a shot off, uh, his his ability to, to get hot. These are things that are unique to Rodney Hood that makes his future seem uh, very good. He's a great late shot clock player. He was in the 92 percentile of late shot clock. He's an above average, pretty good pick-and-roll ball handler, 76 percentile in that. He's actually got a little post-up game I think he could develop a little bit more and use with the ability to jump over people. Um, his, as a shooter, though, as a shooter, his spot-up game is just average. His catch and shoot unguarded is excellent. Uh is is really super. Um and so when when he's on if he's at all guarded, he's not as good. So the one thing he probably has to learn to work on a little bit when you start to analyze him is learning how to be a contested three-point shooter. And that's not an easy thing, but if you kind of look at Rods' numbers Uh, ignoring the playoffs when he just did not play well. And he does not have a history of of playing particularly well in good big game moments. But if you dig into Rod during the season, uh, when he is guarded, he has somebody within four feet of him. He shot... uh, Give me one second. He shot... Within four feet, he shot 34% from three. If he has a defender... Uh, four or more feet away from him. So in other words, a, a really pretty darn open look. Uh, he shoots at 39% from three. So he's an open three-point shooter, and the next step is going to be to try to find a way to get that look off, get that high release off when being contested a little better than he has. But you know what? That's, that's great. Or a dribble-drive game uh, that gets by those when they close out on him. Overall, uh, his pack rating is not great. Uh, because of the fact that he doesn't go to the free throw line. Uh, he's a negative .7 pack player. He only goes to the free throw line 6.5% uh, of his possessions. Let me see if I can put that into some sort of sense and, and make uh, sense. To it. If we look at shooting guards in the NBA, and we're going to do a quick little search here of six percent of, um, we're going to sort the, the free throw Percentage of possessions used at the free throw line. And you're going to be stunned. Like, that's a Danny Green number, um, I think, who's one of the lowest in the league. That's a uh, pure spot-up uh, shooter types uh, are, are who we're talking about. So, Rodney Hood, Victor Oladipo is at 6.1. Eric Gordon is at 6.4. Randy Foy is at 6.4. Uh, Rodney Hood is at 6.5. Sasha Vujicic, Evan Turner, Amon Shumpert, Dion Waiters. Pure spot-up shooters are guys who go to the free-throw line at the rate of rod. That is the area where he still has got to improve his game uh, a little bit. Uh, much better player at home than on the road this last year. Much more much better player in wins and in losses. Um, He does not have a dribble drive game. 8 of 33 when he drives right on ISO. uh, 10 of 22 when he drives left, which is better. Left side isolation, he's 2 of 11. Right side isolation, 5 of 17. Drive right from the top, he's just 4 of 20. In the playoffs, teams knew it. They got up on him, forced him to go to his right hand. He was not as good. And as I mentioned, the the poor playoffs hopefully are not indicative of anything bigger, but a postseason action at Duke, he goes 2 of 10 in 35 minutes against Mercer He shoots 37% in the ACC tournament, though he did hit huge free throws in round one, and then does not play well uh, for the Jazz in the playoffs. That is your season review of uh, Rodney. So where does he sit salary-wise, and what's his future? Uh, He's still a major part of the Jazz organization. He is up for the contract extension uh, this offseason, and this is where things, I think, will get interesting. He's only $2.3 million on the books this year, and then next year, if the Jazz can come to an agreement with him, he gets his new salary to kick in the way that Rudy Gobert has. Both he and Dante Aksum are up for the same discussion. And I'm. this is where uh, the, how the market plays out this year. We, I've had this conversation um, about the fact that the market has less money in it. Right now, if you're Rodney Hood, you're sitting there saying, you know what, hey, let's compare me to Alan Crabb. And I want Alan Crab's deal, and um, you know, that's probably a somewhat legitimate uh, request on his part. Alan Crabb got this huge deal. That's what his agent's going to say. You know, they walk into, um, you know, uh, they walk into this conversation, and what ends up happening is, uh, you know. Now Alan Crabb's numbers are all better than Rodney's other than points per game. Alan Crabb, as a shooter is a forty-six percent shooter and forty-one percent from three and Rodney Hood's a thirty-six percent from three, but Rodney plays five minutes. Well, that that's where they're gonna start the conversation. I don't think it's that, that deal that deal number doesn't get done. And so now you start now you start trying to figure out, well, okay, who are what's the next uh argument gonna be? The top available shooting guards in this year's free agency are going to be the ones that probably dictate this market a little bit, and and they aren't, you know, they aren't great, um, and they aren't great reference. Dion Waiters, Wade's not a reference point. Tim Hardaway Jr., J.J. Redick, and Kentavious Caldwell Pope. Um, and so, it will be interesting to see what happens with those free agents because they're going to be the reference point for where Rodney gets into a conversation with the Jazz. Um, about free agency. And this is the one where there's no other suitors. You're just doing it, the two of you, the way they did with... And often, if you lowball at all from the Jazz standpoint, he just says no and says, I'll go to free agency. Which puts him at $3.4 in a restricted free agent, 18-19. There's a value to the Jazz, by the way, on Rodney, that if you go sign up a $15 million deal in our cap situation, or 10, 12, whatever number, it's a $10 million jump. His cap hold is so small. Because of the fact that uh, he was such a late pick, it's very, very hard uh, to get that deal done. Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Rodney Hood's career numbers are almost identical. Rodney's actually a better shooter than Contavious Caldwell-Pope, but their numbers are very, very similar. Uh, Pope's been in the league for one year more than Rodney, and they couldn't get a deal done, so now he's a, he's a free agent. That That's one to keep an eye on. Um, not that I think they're identical, but they're... Their points point-per-game numbers are similar. Their rebound numbers are similar. Their assist numbers are similar. Contavious Caldwell-Pope's probably a better defensive player. But that's a free agency situation uh, to keep an eye on and decide um, what you might want to get done. So that's where Rodney stands. Uh, I think getting an extension done with him in the offseason will be awfully tough uh, just because of the fact that there's still so many question marks to everything we talked about of whether it was the knee or what, unless... The situation with Rodney is that Rodney is interested in staying so much and wants to stay out of the limelight. I still go back to this with Rodney. I asked him if he was a movie star once, whether he'd be an action figure, a comedian, whatever it is, uh, and his answer was, "I would be an extra." And I think that defines his personality really, really well. That is this edition of Locked On Jazz, brought to you by Zip Recruiter. Go to ZipRecruiter.com/slash/l-o-jazz. Now it's your 60 dB portion. Of the program. Hi, it's David Locke for 60DB, host of Locked on NBA podcast. The big news in the NBA last night was the Warriors' blowout of the San Antonio Spurs and the lottery. Last night, big things happened in the lottery as the Los Angeles Lakers were able to keep their pick. They could have lost their pick for this year and their pick for 2019. This would have been a staggering blow to the Magic Johnson rebuild that the Lakers are under. Instead, they have the second pick, have the possibility of drafting Lonzo Ball, the UCLA rookie, and begin a major rebuild that will start an open free agency for the next year. Magic Johnson with a very revealing comment yesterday uh, at various points, including on SiriusXM, that they will not be a free agent suitor in this offseason, basically sending the message to the Indiana and their superstar, Paul George. We're planning to spend our money a year from now. It's also when Russell Westbrook will be on, the possibility of being free out of Oklahoma City. And so there was a big statement there by the Lakers that we are going to make our big splash a year from now. We'll draft our players, let them develop, and a major move for the Lakers. The other team that continues to just have a miraculous run right now is the Boston Celtics. The Celtics get the number one pick on the deal from Brooklyn It's going to turn out to be one of the greatest trades of all time. They got Jalen Brown last year. They could get Markel Fultz this year. And the other thing that Boston, frankly, has stumbled into or has been perfectly designed, whichever way you want to look at it, is an absolutely perfect salary structure. As they head into this offseason, they have major cap money. They're the only team that's in the playoffs this year that has cap money uh, with a market that has about 40% less money on it than it did last year. They have the ability to sign a major free agent because none of their other players come uh, as big-time deals. Isaiah Thomas becomes a uh, free agent in the 2018-19 season, and they actually will have the capability if they draft the number one pick in Markel Fultz to sign a major free agent in the 17-18 season. Max out Isaiah Thomas because Al Horford's deal expires in 2019-20 excuse me, 2019-2020 and by the time that deal expires is when they would have to suddenly start paying Jalen Brown and then their new pick if it's Markel Fultz. The other thing that they actually have the capability of doing is trading this number one pick to Chicago for Jimmy Butler per se That would still, if they do that, they would still have enough money to sign a major free agent. And they would, if they move a salary or two, uh, in the Jimmy Butler deal, they would actually be, and let Kelly Alinek go. Uh, they would be under the luxury tax again. They would be a little short on what their front court players are, as they would have no Amir, they'd lose Amir Johnson and Kelly Alinek, but frankly, they could have a major free agent. They could have Jimmy Butler. They could have, um, Isaiah Thomas and Al Horford and again they would be able to survive in all likelihood with some delicate maneuvering, they could get out of some of the luxury tax problems in eighteen nineteen, or if they don't have get out of it in eighteen nineteen, they would be freed of it by twenty. 20 or 2021. The the Celtics are in a masterful piece to, for Danny Ainge to sit here and be a puppeteer on the entire free agent market on the entire draft market for the next month in the NBA. Today the Celtics take the court in their game one against the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. I would suspect that we see the Boston Celtics with an early lead in this game, playing every other day, maybe some level of exhaustion, but. Cleveland decided not to scrimmage, to rest entirely during their extended break. They will be out of sorts. The question is whether or not, uh, and Boston being at home in front of the home crowd, the question is whether or not Cleveland can keep it close enough that as they gain the rhythm as the day goes on and the game goes on, they can make the plays uh, late. Who guards Isaiah Thomas and how the Celtics are able to hide Isaiah Thomas on the defensive end will be a, the first major storyline in this series. This is David Locke with your 60-DB Locked On NBA Daily Report get the Locked On NBA podcast we'll be launching today with the scout an interview with the NBA scout about this matchup and what the NBA draft uh, looks like as well as some free agent talk with the scout at Locked On NBA coming your direction also daily podcast on your favorite NBA team all across the Locked On podcast network alright guys have a good one see you.